0: Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you are listening to the Amaze and Perplexed Podcast. Hey, I just want to say uh, thank you to all of our loyal listeners um, for just being patient with us, um, As you know, especially around the holidays as schedules get kind of crazy and lots of sickness happens and lots of family come into town. I know the schedule of the podcast kind of gets a little bit array. That's not the proper use of that. Anyways, it goes a little bit hectic and it's kind of hit or miss. And so um, for everyone who just still keeps plugging away and... Um, trusting that something good will come of it. I so appreciate that. Um, and want to honor you in, um, Jason and I's craziness and our, um, our hecticness. So. I,
1: I second that. No, I'm still distracted by array, but, um, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I really do appreciate it. Last week was my mom's, um, memorial service and, of course, Thanksgiving. And so just a lot going on. And, you know, that it was really beautiful for me. Um, but there is that part when I when I look back and I'm like, oh man, you know, we didn't get to do that. So yeah, thank you. I, I definitely share those sentiments. So today we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew 19, and we'll begin in verse 25. Uh, the disciples there are responding to something Jesus just said. Uh, he's had the interaction with the rich young ruler, which we've covered in previous podcasts. And he's talking about the camel and the eye of the needle and things like that. So we're going to pick up in 25, Uh, through the end of the chapter, because just a lot of good stuff here as far as God's provision uh, and
0: what we can expect. So, starting in verse 25, When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. So, Jason, what amazes you?
1: I think the thing that jumps out is his application of, like, when he says, with God, all things are possible, and that was just a period, then it leaves it for us to think, well, what about this, and what about that, you know? And he specifically, well, Peter kind of shapes it because his next response is, hey, what about us, which is a, a funny Mm-hmm. It, it's pure Peter, you know, in the sense of he immediately personalized it. And of course it's in relationship to this encounter where Jesus told the rich got to sell everything. And, and so he's like, Hey, what, you know, we've left everything. So what, what's in it for us, you know, kind of thing, which is a, I, I appreciate that it's human response. It's a bit of an audacious response, uh, you know, because when you really put yourself into Peter's shoes here, I mean, this rich young ruler, he knew he's rich young ruler. And he felt the power. And and I just have to imagine as they're observing this interaction, you know, they don't have um, history. You know, they're watching this in real time. And they're like – and they see themselves like, – like they esteem Jesus at this point in the progression, you know, um, of their relationship with him. But at the same time. They've dealt with rich young rulers, or not dealt with rich young rulers, all their life, mm-hmm. and so he's just rejected a rich person, which you know they've held him in high esteem, then a ruler, which they've held in high esteem, and probably were fearful of, and they watch this this rich Jewish guy get on his knees in front of Jesus, and Jesus still rejects him, and so there's some fear there, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. and so Jesus immediately, just what's amazing about this is he he immediately makes the application of God can do the impossible, by saying. I'm going to provide you family, rich, rich, rich family, which is an interesting answer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, I'm. An, and, and this is not a pushback on the health and wealth gospel. That's another discussion. I'm simply saying he doesn't say, I'm going to give you millions of dollars or, hey, there's a street of gold at the end of this thing. He immediately, I mean, he does talk about heaven or eternal life rather, but but it's not the family piece is such a standout piece that he'll give you fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers. And I, and I think that's just, I don't know, that, that amazes me how jesus esteemed it and clearly at this point in Jesus' life he was uh what do you want to say there he was estranged i think it's safe yeah. to say from his brothers and and mom and so i don't know it's just a to me it's just a really cool interaction and it's just kind of amazing to me that that's where he goes you know, he's not like you serve an all-powerful God. He's he's also not shaming Peter. Mm-hmm. Why do you make it about you, buddy? You know <laughs> what I mean? The, the other piece that I always think is a little funny is Jesus, you know, dies from Peter's perspective, and where do they go? You know, they're either in the upper room or out fishing, and I'm like, well, you didn't give up all that access to the fishing stuff, because mm-hmm. here you are fishing, so what does it mean to, quote, give up everything? Uh, but, but the idea is Jesus doesn't even correct him. Jesus is like, yeah, 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 and here's how I'm going to provide it through relationship.
0: Yeah, there's so much you said there that's so good. But you said something that kind of sparked a, a question in my mind. So the disciples think that because this guy has power and is wealthy, that means in that means he's doing something right in the eyes of God, right? Like that. That's a that's a pretty fair read of 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 a common Jewish thought and it seems to be exactly what the disciples think about um the relationship between um God and wealth and what that means for a particular particularly wealthy person. And so what's really fascinating to me is Peter and the disciples seemed like aggrieved that this this particular wealthy person is rejected and for them this is almost a like a I don't know if it's a catalyst but it's like a it's a ground shaking event for them because this is somebody who is they they esteem. This is somebody who the disciples esteem. This is somebody who they hold in high regard. This is who somebody they think God already holds in high regard because they are so materially blessed. And so, there's a question I thought, and I don't know if I've, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I wonder what the disciples think about Jesus' poverty right is it is it in the sense of like okay jesus is poor now jesus is living off of um you know mary and martha for now or jesus is living off their donations now but eventually he'll have the material wealth eventually it will all come um and it's it's so it's so fascinating to me that they can be homeless they can be traveling around um living in really poor conditions a lot of the time um and are they getting by on the promise of the golden future? Are they getting by on the promise of the material wealth they think is to come? Um, because you would think that the the distinction, right, if they believe Jesus is the Messiah, he's the one that was foretold, he's the chosen one of God, um, you would think, man, if I'm going to look at what it means to be in a relationship with God or what it means to, to really be in contact with God, I'm going to look to Jesus where in this scenario – are the disciples looking at this rich, successful, powerful person as what it means to have a deep connection with God?
1: I think that is a great observation. That that idea of getting into their minds and how they would have responded and humanizing that interaction, I think that is a is is a, I don't know, I think it's fantastic because I, I think I said maybe last time we did this, but... When I was processing my mom's faith and, you know, is she in heaven and this kind of thing, um, one of the things that hit me is, you know, it's a pretty low bar, relatively speaking. You believe in Jesus. The Bible is very clear. You believe in Jesus. And then that belief needs to translate into action in terms of whatever he asks of you. You know what I mean? The hard part of it is continuing to believe when the evidence stacks up against you. You know what I mean? When your life is hard, when things don't go the way you wanted them to, where the way you understand scripture, it doesn't seem to be bearing out and you may have to make a change. That's really hard because you're talking about core beliefs. And I don't think we usually appreciate from day to day how powerful our core beliefs are. Not what we say we believe or what we should believe, but we actually believe about ourselves, about God, about life. And I think these guys are challenged on their core beliefs all the time. And I think that actually really explains why Peter goes there because it is like, this guy has just basically refused salvation you know because he didn't do and Jesus just put a um you talk about high bar sell everything you know that's a real shaker of of core belief and i think peter it's not simply a question of hey are we in or we out it's like what happens now because we have given up everything um at least in our understanding you know so what happens now yeah i i think this is I, I think we often think, well, the challenge of Christianity is staying pure. Like I don't sin. Like if I don't sin, that's the hard part. But it's clear, I mean, from all of our study, People keep sinning. You know, John says, hey, if you say you don't sin, you're a liar. You know what I mean? So let's stop dealing with that as our primary motivator. It's hard to keep believing in God and keep believing in Jesus because they keep challenging our core beliefs. That's the crux of it. People don't give up their faith because of their sin. People give up their faith because they're like, how could this work? I'm not going to believe it anymore.
0: Well, and I think what's really convicting and maybe even compelling about this is I have this compelling picture of like, if I could just see Jesus better, if I could just get to the truer what, like what Jesus has for me in this situation, what he wants for me, how he wants me to live out being one of his disciples. And we get this picture, like there's so much in the way of that, right? Church, um, 2,000 years of translate, of, you know, is is, is this the right translation? Is that the right translation? All these people, all these different interpretations. um, And then the whole, trying to work with the Holy Spirit and trying to have all these different things rolling through your mind. There just seems to be so much. You're like, man, if I could just be in this position, if I could just like, be in the disciples' position. But even when the disciples are standing next to Jesus, they are constantly trying to avert their eyes from the true Jesus. I mean, if you were to actually, like, this kind of gets to your point. You've talked a lot about how close are the disciples with Jesus? Because sometimes I've been like, man, sometimes I see that, sometimes I don't. But then I go, if you are genuinely like Jesus's friend, and saw that he was poor, saw that he was came from like came from humble beginnings, that he wasn't seeking out um, material comfort or wealth repeatedly, then you like naturally without Jesus saying anything and he says things before this but, but without even saying anything, Jesus's lifestyle and how he goes about his life would challenge the perception that the disciples have of the wealthy. And yet, it seems like here for them they aren't really challenged until they hear the actual words and the actions of 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 jesus rejecting or or this man allowing himself to be rejected um uh choosing his his material wealth over jesus and so for me I, i'm trying to think about the for me i i think it's really important to remember that of all the obstacles that come in between me and god a lot of times it's my own desires. It's my own. Um, it, it's myself getting in the way. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: No, and, and here's what's fascinating to me. I was just uh, while you're while you're talking, I was I was reflecting on verse uh, twenty seven, which is or is that twenty eight? My side is leaving me. Twenty eight, where he says, "If you ever think, well." I've had people say, we shouldn't imagine heaven as meeting all our needs and making our wildest dreams come true. It's going to be all about God. And you know, in the presence of God, we won't notice anything else. I'm like, man, I'll bet you that's true. And I'll bet you it's also true that you should look forward to the role you're going to play, whatever that is. Look at his appeal. He says, you, so they're there with this rich young ruler who they perceived as above them in a system that was above them and they're poor and things aren't getting well. His first statement to them is... I'm going to be in charge of this, and you're going to be second in command. And this makes James and John's perspective about, hey, can we sit on your right and left? They're not making crap up. You know what I mean? Am allowed to say that word on this? Podcast? <laughs> yeah. I, they're not, I, they're not I, making I, stuff I'm up. Not, I'm at a
0: bleep, and I'll let people wonder what you said. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: but that idea is – is I mean, can I imagine if I'm like, hey, we're going to Canada, and things are going to be better in Canada, and you're like, well, will it be better? What about if I do this? I'm like – you're gonna be in charge of people. You're not, not just in charge, you're gonna to get to judge people. I mean, think about that. If I said, hey, become a Christian so you can judge people, mm-hmm. you know, we'd be like, oh, that's just not about Jesus. Jesus was not about judging people. Mm-hmm. He literally says here, yeah. I want you to look forward to judging people, oh, to to having power. And I don't think he meant the condemning ugliness that well, comes, I think but I, that idea of you will have power. Well,
0: and I think he talk, he he starts it off by saying, at the renewal of all things, are the disciples in any place to be to receive this reward to receive this assignment of course they're not but at the renewal of all things when all things are made new and they are living life in the way that it was always meant to be then you can see yourself in a position of like man okay if i get to sit and whatever the role would be and i i mean it's so hard to know specific what specifically it would look like for even them or for us but okay let's just say that let's take this literally sitting in judgment okay what does that mean when I am fully renewed and I am who I was always meant to be? That means I get to offer love and grace and peace and justice in the fullest way that I was always that was always meant to be um, uh, dealt with. Um, and so obviously this seems like this seems like a nightmare for where Peter and the disciples are right now. But Jesus' view of it is at the renewal of all things.
1: I want to do 30 minutes on that, but I'm also curious, what amazes you about this context? That's, that's great insight.
0: Yeah, no, I I think this is always the most compelling, like what amazes me is, um, is I already kind of touched on a little bit, but in 28, Jesus starting this out, um, you know, truly at the renewal of all things. And he goes on to talk about what it will look like and, and what the roles will be. And then he goes on to say, um, he goes on to say, uh, for everybody who, you know, has chosen to follow him will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Um I, I think for me, one of the main pivotal moments in, in my walk with Jesus was when I realized that God wasn't interested in crumbling up the earth and throwing it away and starting over, that Jesus um came to came to be the renewal of all things, came to make, fix the world, came to um came to make things the way they were intended to be and that when he invites us into the kingdom of God he's calling us to play a part in 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 the renewal of all things and so for me um, I just I am so amazed at how one at the beauty of that that God is not interested in crumbling up the world and and starting over um, but he wants to fix things he wants to mend the broken and make them like new And two, this plays directly into what happened before. Jesus is offering this rich person the opportunity to be who he was always meant to be. And not just that he would get to be that, but that he would get to play a part In that, that you know, we have this idea that well, my wealth or my ideas or my strength, man, we can, man, I can make, I can do so much good if I get, if I get enough money that I can give to all these charities. um, If I um, in 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 a powerful enough place, then I can affect change. Then I can do this and this, I can do that, and I can make the world better, and and that's fine and that's good. Um, But Jesus offers a. A different way here that says, hey, when you choose to be last, when you choose to put others above yourself, when you choose to live selflessly, you get to take part in this renewing work um, that I'm about. And so for me, um, it wraps up so much with um, just what is so, so, so beautiful to me about um, God's the ultimate plan for, 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 I guess, creation in the universe. Yeah. And, and and I'm a big advocate of
1: this. This is a perfect example of of what how Jesus saw motivation Like I think it's right I think the the ultimate motivation needs to be love But Jesus doesn't say here Hey guys, it's not about what you will get Just love more No, he gives them He knows exactly how they tick He knows that, that it's going to really now, now keep in mind He doesn't say you're going to get family Brothers and sisters and fields and all this Prior to death Mm-hmm. My reading of this says at eternal, at the inheritance, at the renewal of all things, at the second coming, this can happen. Now, that doesn't mean he's not giving you relationships right now, but I, I think it's this is a beautiful thing because like, you know, the relationships you enjoy right now, imagine that times a million. You know, mm-hmm. imagine every room you step in is filled with mothers and brothers and sisters. Like you want them there. Not like the <laughs> annoying things your parents do. I'm talking about, oh my goodness, I'm accepted here too. I'm mm-hmm. loved here too. I mean, what a beautiful thing, but it's very tangible. So this idea of saying, no, we shouldn't imagine doing things in heaven that that are a physical blessing. To us because they're so human. They're so like, like self selfish. This kind of thing. Then you need to correct Jesus because Jesus went for exactly what he knew they wanted. He's saying, imagine greater, greater, greater. And I'm going to shift real quick to what perplexes me for time's sake. But that last sentence, many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Placement. It just incurred to me placement. In the simplest ways, he's saying, look, don't get thrown off because the rich young ruler who you thought this guy is a law abider. He's made money. He's blessed by God. He's got power. This is what mom told me. I mean, because of their system, they probably couldn't have imagined they didn't have the American dream, but these are the good people. And I've always thought of myself as the bad people, and now you're saying this, and he's like, No, this is the common thing of the kingdom. On the other hand, it it just it's interesting placement. You know what I mean? Because on one hand, he just made a very humanistic, one might say, appeal to keep after this, mm-hmm. keep giving stuff up because it's gonna be worth it. Which would say I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to be the first. And then he's like, but then he flips it again. He's like, but if you're fantasizing about the power and being first, you'll probably be last. So it's just, it's an interesting placement to me.
0: And it gets, it gets back. We talked about this maybe like a month ago. I, I think Jesus is, man, he is just so brilliant when it comes to how, how we operate and that he speaks to maybe our strongest desires, which are rewards, which is to be healthy, which is to be safe. Um, but he also at the same time speaks to the deepest desires. And I think if you're a follower of Jesus, you, you believe that the deepest desire of our souls is to be in communion with him and to be um, in relationship with him in the way – uncorrupted in the way it was always supposed to be. Um, and so by – he, he, he it, maybe he backdoors it in to one degree or the other. But when he talks about the renewal of all things and that you will inherit eternal life, you will inherit life to the fullest would be another way that you could um, – that some people would are. You, you could you – could, you could, um, how we how we uh, translate eternal is is seems like a mess when you really get into it. But anyways, that, that's neither here nor there. Um, Jesus, he says these things like you're gonna get these great things, but he also on the back end goes. But also the deepest desires of your heart are going to be met. So yeah, you're going to have the pull of the strongest. Like that, that might get you in. <laughs> maybe, maybe it gets you in the door. You know, per se. Um, although, gosh, now now that I said that I, out loud, I feel like I, that has to be wrong how I phrase it or how how I'm how I'm putting context around it. But anyways, like Jesus, he says this thing right, and. Ultimately Jesus promises that pro- okay here's where I'm going with this Jesus promises them this all this really cool stuff right he promises them all these amazing things that would have been incredible for them to imagine having um yet those things were not big enough or strong enough or great enough to keep them committed when Jesus dies on the cross. They weren't big enough to to keep them at his side. Um, and Jesus, I think Jesus knows that. Jesus knows that those things will not be strong enough to bind them together. Um and and this is maybe why he also ties in but hey like this is why it almost backdoors into um the the more deeper desires that Jesus is touching on here.
1: Yeah, I mean that that raised a whole nother discussion in my mind when you said bind them together i i think what you're saying is bind him with them you know what i mean by them what's fascinating is they ran off besides john and peter i guess so so initially they all scattered but then as soon as they got beyond the fear impulse they did come back together you know so it's fascinating and these you know i don't think we can understand how different some of these men were you know of course you know, some I've heard it said in a joke, the biggest miracle about Jesus is he traveled with 12 guys <laughs> for, for several years and they didn't kill each other. That's a huge miracle. They got along. But I think this is – I think this is not everything, but part of it is this kind of motivation. But you're right – Man, and, and that just goes to that, that
0: amazing piece again is how well he knows humans. Well, and it's so perplexing because you talk about, like, there is this thing that through Jesus, through the relationship they have and the time they spent with Jesus, it, they do come back together. They do find themselves um, knit together in this weird way. But it's it's not in any way that you would expect, right? You Like, how they come together before they know that Jesus is resurrected— um, it's not in the way that you'd be like, oh, this is optimal. Or this is great. In fact, if you were like, OK, like if you're going to plan out, she's going to die. His disciples are going like to rely on each other. They're going to come together and um, that re- those relationships are going to hold them together. You how it ends up playing out is not in any way like um, it's not clean at all. The, it, it's not clean at all. Um, and yet it is what they needed. It is part of their I don't know if reconciliation is the right word, but it, it is part of this um, this beautiful tapestry that Jesus is is weaving here
1: yeah, that, that's good. I, I do want to say that idea of not being clean and the assumption that everything will be clean, yeah. I, I hear this a lot in canonization and it's like if you know, canonization being you know obviously the what books are going to go in the Bible, what's going to be canon? And I think when you look at it, it's a really messy human process. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of people just assume it should be cleaner. It's not from God. And I'm like, okay, we can have that discussion, but do you recognize everything was unclean? Yeah. Like in term, and by unclean, I don't mean forbidden. I mean, it just isn't linear. It's not sequential. It, it, we judge it. Out. We look back and clean it up in our minds because it's through God's, that bird's eye point mm-hmm. of view kind of thing. But if you were living that, mm-hmm. I, I even think after Pentecost and how many of the disciples were actually at Pentecost. I mean, the, the 11 were there, but I'm just saying you know, not every single person he had talked to was there, probably, and so it's like, how how many years would it go? Is this that right movement? Is this still the Jesus movement? You know, mm-hmm. because he never said serve the widows. You know what I mean? They they did that. You know, mm-hmm. as an add on. You know, kind of feeling, and so it was it. it was. it was. I think you'd experience it as messy all the time. Yeah,
0: now you got this crazy Paul guy telling me this is what religion is. Is now so it's like yeah. So, you, just, you keep. You, and uh, now it's going to the Gentiles. I don't. Yeah, yeah. No. And and you get and I think this is so. Um, I think. I, I remember reading something of this is also directly speaking to that reality that in the assumption of of the disciples and the Jewish people in general that the Messiah comes and he's going to bring about this earth and and finally the oppressed Jewish people are going to throw off their Gentile overlords and now they will be in charge they will lead they will be the ones that um they, they will be I don't know if new empires or but they will be the ones that are 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 over everything um. And the Gentiles will be the the least, the people, like, you know, and, and so it's just, it's inverting so many different um, different thoughts that they would have had in the moment. Right. Um, and I, I think you could just, I think you could just keep adding on to it. Well, for one
1: second, I will say the same angst that kept Jonah from going to the Ninevites is the same angst that would have been present among most of Jesus's, you know, common man there. Yeah. You know, and so to not think that really misses what oppression yeah. brews. Well,
0: and I think even the story of Jonah, I mean, you, it's all throughout the Bible. Um, our desire for clean cut, um, you know, cookie cutter stories and lives its just it's not there in Scripture. And I think. I you know you you brought up canonization of scripture I think the fact that it's not clean the fact that it is messy and the fact that the bible itself is not clean and is messy um is one of my biggest comforts in believing that it is the word of god mm. because that's what the in the bible how god works with people is never clean it's always messy um and the 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 process of canonization it just it mirrors that and we might look at other people's life and be like oh, okay you know Jason um, grew up in a church of Christ household, but then he kind of got lost a little bit when he joined the military and then found, you know, eventually found his way back. And now he's a preacher. That's, I, I just, you know, that's, that's how somebody might sum up your life, but right. then you go, how many times And you, you know, how many times did you like backside sounds terrible, but you, you know what I mean? How many times was, it was a lot messier than how we make it out to be. Yeah. And our assumption is we, I think a lot of times we try to do the same thing with the people in the Bible. We try to make it a lot cleaner than it is, um, when that's just not the case. And so. I embrace the mud embrace the dirt I was the ne- that's the new name of the podcast it's, i think we'll, we'll, we'll keep workshopping it 2023, there was a, 2023 there embrace was, the mud there was a book that i taught in uh when i was a youth pastor that was called dirty god and i i always uh I, it was this it was not the same ideas we're talking about here but i always i was like what a funny what a, it was a funny book i'll, def- Any- I'll define the i'll define the cover for it because it was interesting anyways so what perplexes me so what perplexes me and then i'll, I'll be we'll be wrapped up here So it's really fascinating to me, and I just I can't wrap my head around it. In twenty six, you know, the disciples have this false idea of of who is in who is in like who's in the in crowd here. They have this idea that it's the rich people, it's the ones in power. Those are the people that are um, invited to you know to God's party. They're the ones who are already you know stamped their ticket. They've already got they're already RSVP'd. And you would think that Jesus would be like Jesus just said like. Hey, it's harder for, you know, the people that you think are going to enter the kingdom of heaven are already there. Basically, it's harder for them than, you know, um, than, than a camel to enter the eye of a needle, um, and yet Jesus responds with their questioning of who can be saved with, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I get that Jesus, there's like some double speak. There's kind of some building on top of things. Like there's kind of some, Hey, you might understand this later, but it's just not super. Like you would want to be like, did you not just hear what I said? Like, did you not just understand? Like, the, and it's almost like I get like the disciples are like, Oh my gosh, nobody can be saved. Right. Nobody can if, if the rich and, and you're like, yeah, you're, you're getting the picture, but you all, you, I want Jesus to be like, I want Jesus to spell it out more because clearly by the follow by Peter, he's still not getting it. And it's still not clear. I can see what Jesus is trying to communicate here, like to me now. But I'm also like, but man, it's so, um, it, again, <laughs> it's so murky, I would say.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting. This is not exactly where you're going, but it applies, I think, is that when he says all things are possible, defined by who? You know, I want a, you know, uh, whatever. I want my house payment paid off. So I'm going to sit here and wish for it, and it's going to happen? Like, who who defines all things? What are valuable, this kind of dynamic? And and I think it's fair to say context, context, context. He's saying he's asking specifically about, you know, that kind of thing. But I've seen people use this verse to be like, you want to be a doctor, and yet you pass out the sight of blood, and you have no care for your fellow human, but it's going to make <laughs> you a lot of money? Well, all things are possible in God. I'm like, well, is that really what that's saying there, you know? And I think it, it is, and this goes to a lot of Jesus' sayings, that how do I say this? If I were to say things with the same authority that Jesus said things, I would rightfully be condemned. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and part of it's because I'm not the Son of God, which is absolutely true, and I'm grateful for that. But the second thing is, he says things that I'm like, man, you need to provide more context here, mm-hmm. you know. But he just leaves it open. You know, it's like the keys of the kingdom statement. Yeah, you know, whatever you bind will be done. Well, what if I bind some really ugly doctrine? Mm-hmm. You're know, like, well, good for you. I'm like, that's not what he's saying, you know. But I'm like, that seems a little bit. Um, dangerous you yeah. know what i mean just to say all things are possible with god so it is absolutely true and then i'd like more d- data here yeah. more parameters here
0: yeah and it, and it, it is hard because as following this like preceding you know statement or teaching on um entering into the kingdom of heaven um but you you do go like man jesus like like i know okay we just had this big long you know, conversation, the first half of our podcast about things can't be clean, but it's like, but we don't have to, it feels, I don't think this is what he's doing, but it almost feels as if he's intentionally uh, muddying the waters, um, which I I don't think that's what he's doing, but that's what it feels like to me in the moment. And so I, I think it's like really important as, as we wrap up here, everything that Jesus says here, like each sentence as we've gone back. And I feel like we could talk about this for hours. They just, they weave in between each other. So like, you know, how in the world, could the disciples ever be in a place to sit in judgment um, righteously? And you go, well, they can't. But with all all things, you know, God, God, God is possible. How can the first be last and the last be first? And, and with all, you know, and, and and so there's just so much beauty here. Um, and you, I, I can't even the, the things we talked about today. I can't wrap my head around. And I know that Jesus is also still working on a dozen things underlying what we talked about today. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just want to maybe get out there ahead of it. Like I'm there, I can feel, you know, when you're speaking, you can be like, I'm not, I'm not getting all the way. There's some, there, there's a little bit, there's something else to mine here and I'm just, for whatever reason, I can't see it. And like in the moment it's conversation, I'm like, there's something here like that, like my brain is about to unlock or the Holy Spirit's about to unlock for me. Um, but it's just not, it's just not happening. And so I just wanted to acknowledge that, um, to not be like, here's the definitive statement on, you know, Matthew chapter 19 verses 25 through
1: 30. <laughs> no, I, I, I really appreciate that. And, and it's the kind of thing that we could take what you just recorded and, and place at the end of every podcast and certainly every, every lesson I present.
0: But this one feels more so to me. Like, yeah. And I get like that, that I probably feel like that on different days about different episodes. Sure. I, I think to me, you know, and I hate
1: to say this because it's like, can't you say that about every scripture? And the answer is yes. Is that Jesus And I think God in general, and I think it's underappreciated because historically, preachers and other leaders in church have tried to make it clean. You know, it goes back to that dynamic. And so here's the main thing you want to hold on to. Well, is it, it or is that the main thing the speaker wants to hold on to? And there's something different for everybody. Jesus is talking to these 12 people. Now I think we'd make the case that he should say, but not you, Judas. You know what I mean? But who who am I to say? I'm saying he but he said it to Judas. You know what I mean? And and I think that the dynamic here and, and, and it's not moral. I, it I didn't
0: even pick up on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that there's a whole nother aspect of saying, okay, how does this fit? Bottom line though, I think it's I think I feel very safe in saying Jesus, and this is the application to me, Jesus loves me uniquely. And he loves you uniquely, and somehow he loves the eight billion people on Earth. You realize we hit eight billion recently, uh, yeah. Yeah, has
0: he, he loves- <laughs> been rounding up for a while. Yeah, yeah, I have
1: too. It's it's like when I say, yeah, I'm enjoying 2023. It's, like it's, it's actually been it's yet.
0: actually been it's actually made me mad when people have been seven billion. I'm like, no, it's <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly <laughs> seven point. But anyway, but that idea of he he loves us so much. And he understands us better than we understand ourselves. So when he speaks, even when, if you and I hear the exact same scripture, if we were to really process what we've heard, we've heard two different things Mm -hmm. because that's how he loves us through his living and active word, because it is very general and simultaneously very specific. And I think he's, what, what I take away is God knows what I need to keep me motivated. And so that's helpful and he also knows I get scared. Am I really saved? Is this it? If they get scared and they're right there with Jesus, better believe I'm going to get scared sometimes. And he wants me to step back, take a deep breath, and let him tell me what the specific motivation is for today.
0: Thank you for listening. Grace, peace, and love.